0: Hey, welcome to Blue Wire. After you finish listening to this awesome Blue Wire podcast, make sure you check out the other pods in our Blue Wire family. Okay, I know, you're probably wondering, how do I do that? Well, it's simple. Go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts and search Blue Wire. Ta-da! They will all be there,
1: so have fun listening. Yo, what up, my people? Shout out to Blue Wire. Shout out to John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers free agency period. They could have done a few things better. They got a couple things really right. And I'm willing to say they're going to be close to a wild card team next year if they stay healthy. We'll see how the draft goes. The draft should go really damn well if you have the number two overall pick. Yeah, KJ Podcast, welcome We're going to do San Francisco 49ers analysis. Last week, I talked about Quan Alexander on a Monday night. Tuesday night, we talked about D. Ford. I gave the 49ers some days and myself some days to breathe and see what else happened. We have to discuss Tevin Coleman, Jordan Matthews. Now in the fold, Jimmy Ward is back, much to my dismay. And, you know, some other moves that could happen because of some pending moves in the draft. Eric Armstead, is he safe? Could he get dealt somewhere? lot to get to. I always give a quick shout out to my Blue Wire people. And this time it's the behind the scenes staff. Greg, Joel, Meredith, Charlie, Andrew, Alex you, Aaron, Jordan, freaking Vic French. I know I'm forgetting a few right now. I don't have the full list in front of me. Mac Robinson, a lot of podcast editors who have hopped onto this startup and are just cranking out content for us late at night and blue wire is having some early success as a startup a lot because of this group that's i'm not paying much and they're really grinding their teeth off for us so just shout out to them shout out to the whole squad yeah let's talk niners i know that's why you're here they're building their team as well so i don't sound like a bitter person covering the 49ers because i'm pretty high on their moves i think i put out a poll 3,000 people voted, and 63% gave the 49ers a B. I agree. We're going to go in order of the moves they made that I liked, and we're going to exclude D. Ford and Quan Alexander. Uh, We'll circle back there at the end. But just some of those recent moves to fill out the roster, I think the best move they made was signing Tevin Coleman. Signal number one from this deal, Jarek McKinnon is no slam dunk to be your workhorse number one running back. Just because he's coming off ACL, a little bit of a slighter frame. Do you want him having 200 carries? I don't think you want him as your number one. And I think that's part of the reason Tevin Coleman came here. Clearly, they talked to his agent and said, we're not handing you anything. He probably could have gone somewhere to guarantee himself more plays. He loves Kyle Shanahan. Tevin Coleman's going to turn 26 too. He's not old. He's still very young in his physical prime. 6'1", 205, 4.8 yards per carry last season. Nine total touchdowns. He had 11 TDs with Kyle in 2016. He's a gadget player. You can get him in space. He'll make a lot of receptions. He can also run the inside zone really damn well. And I was totally wrong last year on Alfred Morris leading this team. Way too early to predict who's going to be the running back here. But Kyle brings in these guys on purpose and was willing to bet, what, 3 or $4 million here in year one. Tevin Coleman could be moving the football for us. It does put Matt Breida in a little bit of a situation where could he be the odd man out? I tweeted this right when it happened. I think the 49ers keep four active running backs on their 53-man roster and deactivate one to start the year. And Raheem Mostert might be active for special teams. He definitely will be. He's so good at gunning and getting down and tackling. Musical chairs at running back... To me, Tevin Coleman is a good sign that Kyle thinks it's another weapon to score. Even in the red zone, he's a good finisher. This guy is gets in the end zone. It was the best move I thought they made on offense. And even if he's 1B... I don't care if Matt Breida gets phased out a little bit if this team is winning football games, guys. At a certain point, it's not about developing rookies and you fall in love with undrafted guys. And I love Matt Breida the same, too. If Tevin Coleman is more explosive and healthier and scoring touchdowns and he's paired with Jet McKinnon and it's really working out well, I love it. Maybe that is Kyle's plan. I think someone of Tevin Coleman was brought in here because they're more uncertain about Jet McKinnon and they would have just drafted someone or another undrafted guy if they felt really confident. But I feel bad for like Jeff Wilson. He's not going to have a chance unless one of these guys gets hurt in the preseason, which is very likely this is what I said to keeping four guys at running back. Matt Breida was just too nicked up. Jeff Wilson had that fumbling problem. He's a big power back. At a certain point, you want starting caliber players all over your roster, even at third string. That's amazing to have. You're going to feel bad that Matt is not getting developed as a player, but if this team's winning games, I don't think you're going to care. Sometimes players like Breida have to take lesser roles on a championship team. I'm not saying this team's going to win a championship, but at running back, you're feeling like their depth is really damn good right now. Yeah, I mean, it's a crowded backfield. Kevin Coleman ranked 47th by PFF last year. It's so funny that Kyle just has his guys, is it like He dialed this one up. Real quick on the Le'Veon Bell stuff. Report came out from ESPN. It was not Schefter. Not going to name names here for this reporter. But the 49ers were second in an offer for Le'Veon Bell. I don't buy it. And not because of just Kyle's philosophy with running backs, just because I think agents this time of year will use certain reporters to put out information to make their clients feel happier. And I don't think the 49ers ever put an offer on the table. I would have been stunned. Tevin Coleman was probably a target all along. And Kyle probably said, Tevin, go get paid if you want. But if you want to come here and potentially be our star... Get a couple million. We'll see what happens. Running back market is so soft. Feel bad for those guys. They probably are injured more than anyone and just are not valued properly. I mean, props to Le'Veon Bell. He did get a shit ton of money. The Jets have been saving for a long time. Yeah, that's Tevin Coleman. I I love that signing. Even if he's the one who's somehow inactive in October, I don't think it's a waste of cap room because you weren't sure about McKinnon. You wanna have depth in case it's just him and Brita. It's low risk, high reward, and it's almost shocking that he was available for that cheap. Tevin Coleman is a damn good player. Jordan Matthews, the next move. Kyle has done something similar to this. He didn't have personnel control in Cleveland, but Miles Austin came in there. It was later in his career, but he did hit the rejuvenate button. And Miles Austin did become a nice little piece for Brian Hoyer and the Browns started seven and four that year. He also did this with Jabbar Gaffney. I don't I don't remember if it was 2010 or 2011. It was with Rex Grossman. It might have been McNabb some, but he kind of revived Jabbar Gaffney's career too. Kyle can use a 6'3" shifty receiver and play him on the outside. And I think Jordan Matthews does end up starting day 1 with Dante Pettis, unless they make some splash move in the second round for a receiver. I think Jordan Matthews could be better in this offense than Kendrick Bourne. And that'll be a nice competition to have. Uh, Jordan Matthews is actually only 26. 6'3", best season came with Chip Kelly in 2015, long time ago. 85 receptions, 997 yards. Came into the league with a lot of hype because he came in with that first regime with Chip Kelly. Ultimately ended up getting traded to Buffalo and then back to Philly last season. PFF had him as the 63rd best receiver last season he had knee issues I wouldn't call Jordan Matthews explosive anymore and I wouldn't call him a franchise changing player here but I don't know I, I think he could have 40 receptions this year six touchdowns you know 700 yards start the season if he if he's playing well I think he could start the season and you keep him in if he's playing well if not Go to Bourne, play a little bit of musical chairs there. I mean, it's not an ideal situation at receiver. You did see Randall Cobb go for one year, $5 million. I really thought he was going to get a three-year, $30 million deal. Offensive weapons have not been getting valued at all. Randall Cobb, a little old, coming off a couple down years in Green Bay. He's not what he once was. One year, 5000000 million? I'm almost willing to do that and see what it would look like in this offense. Yeah, I mean, I think Jordan Matthews could be a little bit of a red zone target. Ultimately, he's not a long-term piece here. It's another stopgap. Like, I'm not obsessed with this signing, but I understand why they're doing it. I'm not ready to start Kendrick Bourne the entire year. He had some mental errors last year. He had some drops. He had some nice catches. He's athletic. He can make a couple plays after the catch. There's a lot of Kendrick Bourne apologists on Twitter. I like him. I think he's a good prospect. He needs competition. I think Jordan Matthews... It'd be awesome if he brought the best out in Kendrick Bourne. Like He had some crazy training camp, some crazy preseason where it's like, yo, he just took the next step. I don't see that happening. I see him also being a contributor this year and receiver really just being a contributor thing. You hope Dante Pettis is your number one receiver this year. This is going to be his first time taking on number one corners a lot. He went up against number twos a lot last year just because he was nicked up, missed a couple games. Came back at the end of the year, started tearing it up. You're going to see number one corners on Dante Pettis every week. And his shifty shoulders and his shimming of the feet is going to work a lot. Against some corners, it's not. It's going to be tough, I think, for him to have 80 catches this year. You're just asking a lot. There is no quick fix for a receiver this offseason. I give the 49ers props for Jordan Matthews. It's not going to change the offense entirely too much. But they definitely needed insurance there. And then, my bookie, we're back this week promoting these guys, whether you're filling out a bracket, national championship pick, first round upsets, all of the above. My bookie is the perfect home for March Madness fun. Zion Williamson, it's actually a fun tournament this year. Is he going to cement his legacy at Duke? Will it be a first round exit? Duke's had some weird first round exits. You got UVA, lost to a 16 seed last year. They're really damn good this year. And then. Kentucky, will they ever get back to the Final Four? It's been a long time for them. You know the answers. Even if you don't, MyBookie is the place to get in on the action. They have something for everyone, even you, multiple bracket guy. My bookie has been in business for years. Their goal is to give you the best customer service in the business, the best part. They pay out fast when you win. All right, if you're going to kick back and enjoy March Madness, it's more fun to have a couple bets on the game, and MyBookie is where you can do that. Promo code BLUEWIRE. sign-up bonus, promo code BLUEWIRE. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Jason Verrett. I keep saying Verre for some reason. He's not French. It's Jason Verrett. I, at first, did not like this move. I've talked myself into it being okay because he's showed so much potential coming out of TCU. There are clips that my boy Eric Crocker has posted of him his hips are very fluid. He's got the right technique. He knows how to use his arms. He's technically sound. You want to know the problem? Jason Verrett is not meant to play football. At least that is what his body is telling him. He fucking blew out his Achilles during the conditioning test last year. During wind sprints. In 2017, he re-aggravated a knee injury. In 2016, he missed 12 games with a partial ACL tear. He was awesome when he played in 2015. And then 2014, he had a torn labrum. This guy has never proven to stay healthy. The 49ers needed a starting quality corner to go along with Richard Sherman. I would have invested more money in Pierre Desir. Looks like the Colts maybe would have bid over the top as they wanted to keep one of the guys that they had in-house. Not going to lie, like this move irritates me a little. It shows the 49ers are a little negligent in cornerback. And they're really okay rolling the dice there. They did it with Rashard Robinson, Akilah Witherspoon last year. They knew he was going to struggle. Tavarius Moore, they're trying to move from safety there. Now they're adding a guy who's missed most of his NFL career because of injuries. They have had a bunch of injuries in the secondary. More at safety than corner, but... I don't know. To pinch pennies at corner and potentially this be an issue and they're just, whoever's on that side is going to get picked on. Jason Verrett could be good. You had Richard Sherman tweeting about it, like this guy's got every tool that you need. He's a little undersized for this scheme, but he is physical. He can get some push at the line. Uh, He can play press coverage in this scheme. Can he stay healthy? Is he the same player after having surgery so many times, after rehabbing so many times? I don't know. It just seems risky. I would have brought him in and Pierre Desir. And I would have said, Tarverius Moore, you're actually now a safety, like what you played in college, and you're competing with Jimmy Ward there. And Adrian Colbert, you're a strong safety because you're actually a hard hitter, and you and Tartar are going to battle it out, and you'll probably win because you have a brighter future. They're mismanaging the secondary and even if they get Nick Bosa, even if D Ford is a monster and the D line is eating, I still think there's gonna be some issues on the back end. And I think certain weeks now when you pay when you play the Browns, which could be a Monday nighter, I'm thinking San Francisco against Cleveland early in the year. I absolutely love that matchup. Uh, you're gonna be going against Big Ben and Juju. you're gonna be going up against, I think Kyler Murray in Arizona who's going to be throwing the Texas Tech offense at you. They're going to go corner in the draft again, but you're not going to count on a third, fourth, or fifth round pick coming in and just beating out all these guys who have been here, been in the league. I would never leave myself in a vulnerable position at cornerback in the NFL. They've overvalued how good Akilah Weatherspoon is. He definitely had a better second half of the season. He's going to have confidence issues. Maybe they think year three light bulb goes on. By year three, you normally know, is this person good or not? So Jason Verre signing, it's, it's risky. It's actually a high risk signing because if he doesn't work out and a kilo is not good, you're all of a sudden getting burnt every week and you have the, the weakness. Second corner, how do we hide it? You're not going to acquire that in the middle of the season. No one has a surplus of corners. They're like, yeah, yeah, come trade for our corner right now. No one's getting rid of corners. And you. I don't think this team has done a good enough finding a second one with Richard Sherman when they had a lot more resources. KJ Podcast, evaluating the rest of the 49ers moves. I want to be clear. I like this offseason. This defense looks a lot different. D Ford, Quan Alexander, they're going to be jumping around, creating more turnovers. Their press conference felt really professional. It feels like this defense has grew up. Like, there's grown-ups on this defense. There's proven playmakers who have been on other teams. And now this defense feels a lot more legit, a lot closer to top 10 than bottom 20 in the league, which is where they've kind of been. It's been DeForest Buckner, Richard Sherman kind of on an island and random people making plays here and there. And Fred Warner trying to develop, and it hasn't been good enough. Now the defense has more of an identity, and I give the 49ers props. Where I am about to just fall off a cliff and disagree with their total strategy, and I tweeted quite a bit about it. I'm sure I annoyed people. I did pick up quite a bit of followers during free agency. Shout out to if you're new to the KJ podcast. I had a problem with Jimmy Ward and bringing him back at free safety because I thought it was a problem last year when you gave him the fifth year option as just this Chess piece who can play everything. The problem with Jimmy Ward has always been he's too versatile and not really good at one thing. He's never got to develop at a position, let alone the most important effing position on the field, single high safety. If your plan is to go into the season with him starting there, you are going to be having serious issues. You don't know how to evaluate the position. You still have, what, top three money left in cap room? Earl Thomas went to the Ravens who doubled down on a young quarterback and now have the anchor of their defense. They let go of Eric Weddle and paid even more and said, we really have to have someone fixing us up on the back end in today's passing league. Ravens normally make smart decisions. They got rid of CJ Mosley, a younger player, as a linebacker and said, we're not giving him that kind of money. We're going to give money to Earl Thomas to make sure no deep plays happen. You think the Ravens didn't do research medically here? Ravens made the smart move. Greg Rosenthal wrote it. A lot of people wrote it. Yeah, I, I'm a little dumbfounded. I'm a little shaking my head, scratching my head. If Jason Verrett is not good and Jimmy Ward is not good, the 49ers are not good as a football team. I don't care if Jimmy G scoring four touchdowns every week. It's going to be an up-and-down battle. You're not going to be able to force enough turnovers. You're going to have a soft spot on the football field. And you're going to have to start shading a safety back because you just have not prepared for this position since you started running the scheme. And it's a Kyle flaw, it is a John Lynch flaw. I hope there was someone in that building standing on the table for Earl Thomas. If that entire building said, nah, not for us. We really like Jimmy Ward. He hasn't gotten a chance. He's been injured. Let's Let's see a full season of him. I think Jimmy Ward has told us who he is at this point. I don't think a light bulb is going off from Jimmy Ward is going to develop. Into, Pro Bowl ball hawker. Jimmy Ward saved the 49ers defense. What are you thinking if that's actually the case? And I don't, I actually think he's one of the coolest dudes on the team. And I actually think the 49ers are a little poisoned because they like him so much as a person. And this could be a flaw from the regime. And some of you are saying, KJ, you are being way too hard about this. I'm talking about a position that is going to fuck you and fuck the next few months up in September through December. And this team goes six and 10. And you're like, dude, they screwed up the back end of the defense. And we knew it early on. And I banged a cowbell telling you it. And someone get me in that front office so I can literally help them win football games. You have, what, 44 million in cap room left? I've seen a report that was 60. I mean, so this is where I wanted to come to next. This is a big deal. 49ers fans have been celebrating Parag. Oh, he does these contract structures. It's amazing. I think certain players aren't willing to come here because they know the 49ers do this. And it it takes a person who really wants a payday up front, really believes in the coaching staff here, and... The 49ers are are not trying to screw anyone. This is how they do contracts. This is how they keep cap room going. And if you're a good player, we reward you and you come back. If you're not, we move on. And you can blame us. You can do whatever you... 49ers have set this up. 49ers fans should not be congratulating the 49ers for setting up good contracts. They should be congratulating the 49ers when they get good fucking players for them to stay. I don't care if someone has an out in their contract. You shouldn't have signed him if you're letting him go after a year. You didn't know how to use him. You're taking chances here that, that are crazy. Like, I hate this. I really hate the celebrating of, oh, look at all the guaranteed money they had to pay Trey Flowers. They're planning on him being a damn good player for three years. And yes, free is risky, but... Um, Earl Thomas wanted all that guaranteed. And I bet the 49ers are like, we don't do contracts that way. And they should have for him. And maybe it sets a precedent. Oh, look at all the guaranteed he got. D4 didn't get that. Quan Alexander didn't get that. If you're building your team with contracts this way, it's questionable. Because you're going to alienate some of the best talent from coming to you. And I'm really like on a high horse right now, pissed off about this because I want the football team to win games next season, make the playoffs, and I'm actually scared that they're not going to because they actually thought Jimmy Ward is going to be who helps stop things on the back end. Okay, that's me ranting. Jimmy Ward is a cool person, and I don't mean to start any wars here. I want to be real. People are attached to the 49ers. They make them emotionally feel better when they're winning people's feelings get altered when this team's winning and when they make questionable decisions that at the Forefront you can tell is going to impact the record they've got to be called out KJ podcast that's what we do um, it's a head scratching move with Jimmy Ford Jimmy Ward it's a head scratching move with Jimmy Ward but other than that I'm pretty happy I'm pretty happy other than praising Parag for every contract like this like I I think he manages the cap very well but I applaud the 49ers when they get players who are on the roster for a long time, not for having outs in contracts. Um, yeah, real quick on D Ford and Quan Alexander. Talked about them commanding the room. The press conference felt really good. The defense has more of an identity. Kyle talking about Quan being a game wrecker. He wrecked a game against Atlanta, and that really stuck out. Feels like to me that Kyle was really on board for the Quan Alexander move. Reading the tea leaves here, Quan Alexander may be able to get unleashed in this defense, in this scheme, underneath. If there's so much havoc going on up front and there's not linemen accounting for him in the run game, Quan Alexander is actually good in the run game too. He can make tackles for losses. Julio Jones joked to Kyle Shanahan at the time in Atlanta, do I need to play fullback in this game to stop this guy? He can wreck some games, which I I like a lot. That's a great characteristic. The wide nine is going to be the big term, the buzzword this year. This is how Chris Kusarek is going to line up. We've talked about it ad nauseum already on this podcast, but basically it's going to allow D Ford a wider gap, a wider edge. He's going to line up wide and have more space to work with. He's going to be able to use geometry to his advantage. I want to say this. I watched D Ford in the run game and I am a little worried. About him playing Leo in the run game. I don't know exactly where he fits if if you get Nick Bosa. This is our next debate here. We'll talk about Nick Bosa and relate it all to D Ford and how this will work. Nick Bosa feels like a big end, D Ford feels like a Leo, but a Leo in run situations could get caught up in the wash. And there's film of D Ford getting pushed back in the run game and not being that enforcer in the run game. So there's potential that you do float him at Sam linebacker because he'll have some support from the big end there. He'll be able to, I think, not be as integral in stopping the run if he doesn't have his hand in the dirt there. Remember, he's coming from playing a 3-4 most of his time in Kansas City there. Pretty much all of his time was spent playing a 3-4. It's going to be an adjustment for D Ford. If there's, I actually expect Quan Alexander to not struggle at all. There's a slight chance in my mind that we could see a first month or two struggle from D. Ford because the 49ers have actually a hard decision of where to put him on first down and even second down in running situations. It seems like he's going to be moving around a lot. I don't think he's lining up at Leo every play. He doesn't have the size for the big end in the run game. They have so many pieces here and are about to get Nick Bosa. It's clear either Solomon Thomas or Eric Armstead is getting traded. It's going to be just... Totally embarrassing for the 49ers to trade a sixth-round pick for Solomon Thomas. So I think they may just hold on to him and eat their losses and just let him leave after his contract is up. Eric Armstead, they could fetch, I think, a fourth-rounder because he's really good against the run. Maybe they want to keep him. But it it feels pretty obvious to me that Nick Bosa is falling to the 49ers at 2 I don't think Cliff Kingsbury can run his offense shotgun four wide with Josh Rosen and have him dancing back there. He's not that kind of passer. He's a play action drop back. Uh, kind of an old school quarterback these days. Kyler Murray fits what Arizona wants to do. I think it's an 80% chance that they take him. Nick Bosa falls to number two. I think it's an 80% chance the 49ers take him. There's always a chance they trade down. I think there's a very tiny chance they take Josh Allen, who's way more of an athlete than Nick Bosa, but that's about it. And I still like him a lot as a prospect. And there's always a chance they take Quinn and Williams too, and, and say, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna line him up. We're gonna keep Eric Armstead. We're gonna keep D Ford." At this point, I think Quinn and Williams makes more sense than Josh Allen. Although, man, that Sam linebacker—I mean, there's just so many musical chairs here yet, and that one major chair could fit anywhere really there's an opening between deforest buckner in the middle there's an opening potentially a big end because armstead is just not a part of the future here and there's an opening at sam linebacker which d ford's not going to play very much you don't want him to you didn't pay him big money to be that type of guy and you don't want your number two overall pick josh allen to only be a sam linebacker nick bosa is not going to play Sam. He's more of a big end. Oh my gosh, it's like a, it's like a maze here. Position, flexibility, versatility. It seems like everyone can play two, but not everyone can play three, different positions in the scheme. Depending on how big you are and athletic you are, and it's it's a debate. But you obviously go with the better prospect. It's Nick Bosa. There's going to be concerns of him not working out at his pro day because he is healthy right now. The last thing you want is this guy aggravating a hamstring, hurting a quad. If he had an injury storyline heading into the draft, it would be way worse than him sitting out the pro day here. Nick Bosa is the future of athletes. They're dumb doing your dumb shit where you judge them for not doing it. If you're an old scout or a blogger or whatever, they're protecting their body because it's the most dangerous fucking sport ever. Football, 100% injury guarantee. Nick Bosa, guess what? Not going to do meaningless stuff. Could this potentially be an issue if they drafted him and he's sitting out multiple days of training camp and Richard Sherman getting on his ass? I think so as a rookie that people are going to get on his ass and he's going to have to come into Santa Clara and prove himself and practice every day. But eventually, if this guy is getting 10 sacks as a rookie, he can have veteran days to me year two. Like Preserve him. No dumb injuries. He knows how to rush the passer. Keep his body fresh. Ben Peterson finally got this right. The head trainer. Athletic czar. They've hired the head trainer from the Denver Broncos into the building. The 49ers were not happy with their injuries. I think training camp is not grueling at all this year. Kyle has run an ump-tempo physical camp the last two years, ever since I've known him. He's done it for O-linemen to get trained in his system for them to get in shape because they have to run a lot. There's a lot of crunching and thudding in Kyle Shanahan's training camps, and I wonder if that cumulative effect then leaves people more vulnerable to injuries later in the year because training camp has been so hard, and he was brought up that way. He saw the Broncos that way. He saw old-school football. I am guessing if there's a major shift from this training staff is that training camp is Light as shit. Kyle will fight back some because he needs some live hitting. He he needs some of that to simulate what's going on for everyone to understand. He also knows staying healthy is, is paramount. And that's the bottom line. Yeah, KJ Podcast covered everything. Tevin Coleman, Jordan Matthews, Jason Verrett, Jimmy Ward. Not a fan of that move. A uh, little bit on D Ford, Quan Alexander. I'm not praising Parag for these contracts. I'm actually worried the 49ers are doing it the opposite. If you don't do our contracts, we don't want you on the team. That's what the Earl Thomas thing says to me, or that they don't know how to evaluate talent in the secondary. So those are the two major issues I see from things. Secondary's not going to be good, and just, I'm not applauding a team for this contract shit. It hasn't led to any wins at all. Get the right players. Solly T., He's going to be fighting hard for snap. you had to remember, Ronald Blair is a little sack master himself, too. So you're going to have to figure out a way to get him in on nickel downs as well. And you're about to add another d lineman in here. Uh, and, and it does make sense. It's time to sack the quarterback. All right, San Francisco, I love you. I've been here three years. Welcome all these new players to the 49ers. We enjoyed talking about this football team. Blue Wire. Spotify, iTunes. Yo, rate five stars. If you leave a five-star rating and ask a question, I will answer it. And we're going to start doing this across Blue Wire so we start showing up a lot more on that purple Apple podcast app. All right. Talked a bunch tonight. Ran a little long. There was a lot to discuss. I have not gotten in-depth at all in the draft yet. Obviously, I'm running the startup, so I have more research to do. Next week, we will be hitting second round prospects really hard. Who will the 49ers go? If they go Nick Bosa one, who are the top five options I would want in the second round? All right, we'll talk to you again next week. Peace.